Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really. With its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is. Your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. And in this episode, I'll be answering another question that many newcomers to Splitsville have Where will I live? So let's dive in. Today we have Diane McDermott of McDermott Real Estate, who is with us today to help answer that question. And Diane, that is so critical to people that come into my office and are facing separation, divorce, uh, know that it's coming and are concerned about the home that they're currently living in. And if they don't get to stay there, where are they going to go? And it's so stressful for people who are divorcing and separating. Home is such a foundational aspect of our lives. And when the foundation that you were familiar with looks like it is going to change, even if you remain in the home, it's going to look different after once you've gone through and come out the other side of divorce. So the question, where will I live? What will that look like? What will that feel like? It's a it's an emotionally charged question, I think. It is. Well, tell our listeners a little bit about you and your real estate practice, because it's it's unique in my experience. Thank you. Um, I've been in real estate for about 14 years now, and I explain that I am myself joyfully divorced, recently gone through and now come beyond that process myself. And I got into real estate, and it took me a little while to really own the fact that I am most passionate about and enjoy most working with home buyers rather than sellers. And the home buying process to me is a very relationship process, which is a better fit with my personality. I enjoy getting to know people, getting to know what's important to them, and really being a resource and a guide for my clients. And about a year ago, I ended up, after I divorced my husband, I divorced my previous real estate affiliation and started my own firm. And so now I get to really align everything in my life with my core values of honesty, integrity, passion, joy. And I'm really deeply passionate about communicating with and empowering women who are divorcing or who are divorced throughout the home buying process when that timing is right for them. It's so wonderful to hear you say that about going through this transition with, because you were already, before you were married and during your marriage, you were a homeowner and yes. you were already a realtor. Yes. But really through that whole process of divorce and separation, you took that opportunity and everything that you learned from it to really reconstruct not just that one aspect of your life, but your entire life. And that's absolutely true. And honestly, I can sit here now and, and look back at the past few years of my life and and I know that literally everything in my life today looks and feels different than it ever did before. And in that, I say that in the best, the absolute best way possible. There is more joy in my life today than I ever could have imagined three years ago. So 
Well, and, and I'm so glad that you could give that testimony, for lack of a better word, because I know that when I am counseling people who are in the midst of the destruction and the impending doom that seems to be you know, staring them in the face when a marriage is, is falling apart and coming to an end, it is virtually impossible without sounding like you're just giving people platitudes to tell them that this could, if approached correctly, yeah. be a very positive result, you know, at the end. But it's so hard to see that in the beginning and when you're in the midst of it. Don't you agree? I absolutely agree. When you're in the middle of the darkness and the chaos and the turmoil and you just don't really, it doesn't sink in that there might be a light that's brighter than you could really imagine today. And that's why I am so passionate about owning the fact that I am divorced. I know how brutal the process is. Um, as much as there are those opportunities for the growth and the wisdom and really redefining your life in every way, it's also, it's not an easy path to walk. And I am just so passionate about shining the light and saying, you know, there really are opportunities. They'll be unique to you and your journey, but um, there is tremendous wisdom. I am much more confident. I am much more aware of myself than ever before in my life. And that is beautiful to me. Well, and having that home base mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, is such an important step yes. for someone who is leaving one existing home that they've had to, um, for some time. So walk us through a little bit when you're working with a client, what are things that you're seeking to learn about them or make sure that they're thinking about when they come to you and they are now in a position of needing to find a new home? and they come to you, what is some of the advice and counsel that you're going to give them? So in a nutshell, what I, the best way I can explain how I work with buyer clients is I assist and guide people who are transitioning from one living situation that for some reason is not working for them, whether they're renting, whether they've sold a home and they're transitioning, transitioning from something not working to a place they're going to love calling home. And I have a very holistic perspective when I'm guiding clients through that process and part of it is maybe not what we typically think of. We think of financial readiness, and, and that's, of course, important. But there's also an emotional readiness factor mm -hmm. to really keep in mind because that's going to, again, look different for every client and every buyer. Well, let's talk about that a little more in detail then. So you're talking about making sure that someone who's already approached you about mm -hmm. buying a home, but making sure that they're emotionally ready to go through the process or to own a home? Uh, both, really, because it, it's a matter of is the timing right for you to buy? Does buying even make sense for you going forward for the next three to five years? In some cases, that answer may be no. And when you're in the middle of such an emotionally traumatic, for lack of a better word, time such as divorce, your emotional state is not where it would be at more calm centered points in your life. And so the decisions that we make sometimes when we're in the midst of such turmoil may not be the same decisions we'd make if we were on more stable grounding, so to speak. True. So what specifically should a person who is approaching this decision, uh, what is the, the, I guess, the checklist or the factors that they need to think about as to whether or not emotionally they are ready to go through buying a house? I encourage people to really dig deeper and consider what is most important to them in a home. What There's a spectrum as far as comfort level with maintenance. And there's interior maintenance and then there's exterior maintenance involved in home ownership. 
and to really kind of consider where are you as far as your comfort level and what what would your ideal home living situation, if you could design it, which you have that opportunity if you're newly single and divorced, you have the opportunity to really design what your ideal home situation would be. And that's not just number of bedrooms and baths. That's where is it? What's around it? What, is it? what does it have easy access to? Is it, Are you a master plan community type person or do you want nothing to do with an HOA? There's a lot of different factors to really dig deep and consider. So I encourage people to go beyond the superficial and really take some time to kind of think about what for them would their ideal home situation look like. Right. Like, do they, do they like to fix it up? Yeah. Or are they always going to be calling somebody (laughs) every time something breaks? Right. And I'm somewhere in the middle. So Mm -hmm. I fine with painting, but I don't mess with electrical stuff. And so I know where my own limits are, but I don't mind mowing my lawn. And some people, I have friends who just will not do any exterior yard work. So, well, and if you're not going to do it yourself, you're going to have to pay somebody to do it. Uh, So that probably lends a little bit into the, the analysis that you have to do to see if you're financially ready. So, yes. And especially for women going through divorce, it's really critical to have, if you, if you really decide that for you, home buying is going to be a path where you're going to walk. It's really not too early to connect with a mortgage professional who is sensitive to divorce and who's familiar with how to really set yourself up financially up for success when it comes to buying a home. Because I'm sure you are aware there are certain pieces, even within a separation agreement, that financially can impact someone's home buying power in ways that they didn't anticipate if they really didn't take the time to get some guidance on that. That's true. And then what typically does someone need to make sure that they have set aside if they're going to buy a home? What are some expenses that they should be prepared to meet? Well, there's going to be a down payment required and the percentage, I get this question a lot, people have the misperception, I need to have 20% down to buy a home. That is absolutely across the board not true. Can you put 20% down? Sure. Is that what's going to be right for you? I don't know. That's a discussion for you to have with your mortgage planner. But there's as little as 3.5% down. So there's the down payment piece. There are deposits required at the time you make an offer. I shouldn't say required. They're not legally required. But most sellers are not going to accept an offer without an earnest money deposit and a due diligence fee. And so that's additional funds that you're going to need to have up front. Also, you want to make sure you have a cushion. If you've financially been through a divorce, it can bring up some serious fears when it comes to finances and money. And so really having a cushion of financial reserves before you get into the process of buying a home, whether your comfort zone is three months reserves, six months reserves, or a year reserves. Again, only you can answer what your comfort level is with that, but having funds set aside for a rainy day for things that may come up with the home and home ownership. Well, and I haven't bought that many homes in my own life, but I know that part of the negotiation process for my clients, often sellers and buyers, mm-hmm. is that they will run into the inspection report. <laughs> yes, and I love my home inspectors. And a home inspection is not a list of what the seller is required to fix. It's informational. Home inspectors are generalists, so they know a little bit about a lot. And they'll typically, in a home inspection report, recommend specialists when it's beyond their scope of expertise. But the home inspection isn't meant to scare buyers. It's really an informational tool to help you learn about the home you're going to be buying. I don't care if it's new construction. No home's perfect. And these inspection reports are kind of a laundry list of 
more than you ever really wanted to know about the house. And they can get really scary. And that's why a lot of my conversations with clients are really, okay, what are, what's most important to you? What most alarms you on this report as opposed to taking it all as an emergent item and need to be addressed? So, Well, I know my mother instantly when she was looking for a home, her last home, you know, she would walk through the home and wasn't necessarily thinking about, you know, what she might need to repair. Mm-hmm. She was thinking about what she needed to do to redecorate. Yes. Um, and so what the cost of the, um, the you know, shutters were going to be mm-hmm. and um, if she needed a new countertop or, or things like that. And so she kind of went through her checklist and she was looking at them and was like, well, I'm going to have to have window coverings in addition to this or... I'm not going to be able to, you know, tolerate that kitchen counter or, you know, that sink. So talk a little bit about, you know, that as you're going through houses with buyers. So there are items and aspects to any home that some that are fixable and some that are not fixable. So fixable things are things that are cosmetic, paint color, decor, even countertops. Those are fixable. You can do something to change them. And so those are within your control to change and kind of adapt to your preferences. The things that are not fixable, and I've even, I I will tell buyer clients what they may not want to hear. And I've said, you know, you you can't choose your neighbors. You know, you can't move those power lines running through the backyard. You can't change the the flow of traffic on the street that's going to impact possibly your enjoyment of the property. So it's, and to some extent, there are, you can take down some walls and to some degree you can do that. But then in other cases, things are a little more fixed where, you know, the layout's the layout. And, you know, is this flow going to work for your family's lifestyle? Not just today, but I also encourage people, look, three to five years down the road, real estate is not a liquid asset. It's not an ATM machine. And so it is something that you need to be prepared to be in for, for at least three to five years, if not longer. Let's talk a little bit about something you said earlier about the choice to rent or to purchase. What are some of the the things that you talk to clients about in that respect, about whether or not, or do you take the time to really counsel them about should they rent or should they buy? What are the advantages of? Absolutely. So if buying a home right now, just if we've looked at all the aspects and you've really taken the time to consider and you just feel like, you know, I'm really not 100% ready at this moment, I feel it's overwhelming or whatever reaction you're having to it and you just decide it's not in your best interest, some of the advantages to running for a while, it buys you some time. It takes some of the pressure off of running up against the deadline and potentially settling for a house that really you don't love just to get something, just to get a place to live. So renting for the short term, being six months or a year or something like that, can give you just a cushion to really take it at your own pace. That's not to say that if you're emotionally and financially ready, you can't start looking and evaluating available homes that might be of interest during that time. But it also takes time to get from contract to closing. A house is not a grocery store purchase. It takes 30 to 45 days at least. And that's once we've made the offer and have a contract to get to closing. Mm-hmm. So renting in the interim can just give you the luxury of not being up against a time pressure deadline and also to really go at your own pace. And I know that is actually such an emotional decision for my client. So if I have a client that is a homeowner mm-hmm. and they may own it with their spouse, but they're still a homeowner and they're used to being you know, an owner mm-hmm. and they're in the, the neighborhood and they have the the 
network of, of people, they can often be extremely resistant to the idea that they don't need to purchase right away or that they need to wait, especially if they have children. Yes. Um, they can be incredibly resistant. They have um, a mindset that they have to substitute one piece of owned real estate mm-hmm. for another comparable piece of owned real estate. And they'll really be quite headstrong about, no, you know, I have to have a house. It has to have a yard. It has to have a garage. It has to have a pool mm-hmm. or, you know, or whatever that they're giving up. They want that again. And what do you see when you're working with these buyers and what tips do you have to sort of help them work through that really difficult emotional part of walking away from home ownership for a little while? So I'm a recovering control freak, I will admit. Um, and so I, I can certainly sympathize with the resistance piece of that. You know, it needs to look like this and it needs to have this, this, and this in order for me to be happy. You know, and I've personally learned the power of relaxing a little bit more and kind of going with the flow and allowing things to unfold more naturally. But I, it, it is an emotional component for sure to have one way of life I was happy with this and kind of giving a little bit of our power away to the external mm-hmm. circumstances and think that those made us happy. And maybe happiness is more of an inside job and comes from within first. But I, it really, I mean, and if you're adamant that you want to own a home, that's fine. I would just say you may be cutting yourself off from opportunities that you cannot yet see standing where you are at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when you are trying to sell a home, Mm-hmm. pack up everything, divide everything yes. with another spouse, and then move into a new home, mm-hmm. unpack everything, and, and go through both of those transactions, the transaction of selling your home mm-hmm. and then a separate transaction of buying your home. Mm-hmm. You know, my clients are going through those simultaneously, and I watch in amazement every single transaction as they go through really pushing these these really complex legal transactions yes. through in a matter of 90 days. Um, this is a really hot market. Talk about how this market is impacting women, first-time homebuyers, or women that may not have owned a home separate from their spouse. Certainly. So we are still, still in a very strong seller-favored market for the most part. There's some price point differences as far as the amount of buyer audience out there. But up until a certain threshold, it really is a very hot seller-favored market, which means that there are more buyers than there are available homes for those buyers. And so really, it's, it's challenging, and it's, I know it's incredibly frustrating for buyers who are considering, and they're, you know, they're intent on they're going to stay in their payment comfort zone and their financial comfort zone, And then they keep coming up against a whole lot of other competition, multiple offers and losing out on and things going for over list price in some cases. And it's just, you know, you got to look at, well, have you looked at every area that's an ideal fit for you? Are there possible, you know, can we expand the search in any way? And some buyers will get to the point where, you know, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And that happens too. So it's, as far as preparedness, it's critical now, as it always is, really, um, to really have all your ducks in a row, to have your not not your pre-qualification, but a solid pre-approval. You have a relationship with your mortgage 
pro that you trust, you have a trusted relationship with whatever real estate professional you're using to have your team in place before you even start the process so that you're kind of ahead of the game and make sure that you have in place everything that you're going to need before jumping into the home buying process. Well, you mentioned your team and I, and resources, and I know that as a divorce lawyer, mm-hmm. I have a book of resources. I mean, I have realtors like mm-hmm. yourself and mortgage brokers and therapists and yes. doctors and, and a huge wealth of information that I will share with a client and, and give them some resources. But I'm always talking about as a divorce lawyer, it's very important that you have your team in place to go through this. You need to have the right divorce attorney. You need to have a financial planner maybe to help you outside of it. You need to have a therapist to make sure you're healthy as you go through it. So tell me about the team that you think somebody needs to have a successful home buying experience. So one of my values is what I call heartfelt connection. And that's really important. That's That's a benchmark I measure every relationship professionally, personally against in my life is does this align as a heartfelt connection? And your team is so important. They are going to be your your cushion, your soft place to fall during this tremendously stressful process. And there will be trigger points that you're going to need that support. And so it's just important to really consider what's the right fit for me? Is this individual, this professional, does this feel like the right connection and right fit for me? Whether, and you and I have talked about this, like, you know, I'm not the best agent for everybody and you may not be the best divorce attorney for everybody. And I don't care who you choose. I just want it to be a connection that you know has your back and that you trust and that you know is going to be there for you to support you through the process. And that, that heartfelt connection and that bond is really critically important, not just for your realtor, but also with your mortgage professional. It's any resource that's supporting you through the home buying journey, it's important to have as fully, you know, they've got, they've got your back and you don't question it. And that's an interesting point because I think sometimes when people are selling a house, they often just naturally try to use the same agent Mm -hmm. to buy a house. Mm -hmm. But there are people that are stronger at selling properties than in helping match buyers with properties. And so People don't often realize that you could choose to list your home and sell your home with one realtor and then be like, thank you so much. But for my buyer, I'm I'm going somewhere because you don't really save any money. I mean, most (laughs) seller agents, if they then find the buyer when they're going to get the commission of both. Yeah. Right. So you're not really doing yourself any favors to do that necessarily unless they're just a perfect fit for you for both. And they may be. And I've had some couples that I've worked with, I mean, multiple times as their family grew or whatever. And, you know, we had the the relationship when they were buyers and we had the same great working relationship when they sold their house. But that's, to me, that's been the exception. I just gravitate more naturally to the buyers. And I I have a lot of agents who are friends of mine Mm -hmm. and I respect them and I refer to them because if it's something I don't want to do and it's their skill set, all day long, I'll connect people with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's playing to their test. Some, some of my agent friends are brilliant at marketing. And they know. And they, that is just their gift and their talent. But they don't have the patience, to be perfectly honest, to be a strong buyer agent. Mm-hmm. Because the buying process takes patience. Mm-hmm. It does. And we've talked about the fact that the wrong person will steal you wrong. An mm-hmm. impatient buyer agent could pressure a client into buying a house that they don't really want because they just want to get the process done and they don't want to take six months showing them properties. That was very much my 
experience as a first-time buyer myself. And I wasn't yet married to my husband, but we bought the house together. And I I was pressured. And that was a, one of my motivations why I got into the industry was I never wanted a buyer client of mine to feel pressured at any decision point. Because I know these decisions are not mine to make. I'm here to guide and support you, but you are the decision maker. Mm-hmm. And me pressuring or me pushing is only going to backfire and blow up in my face and in yours. I definitely see it sitting on the sidelines with my clients mm-hmm. where it'll feel like that they've been pressured either into it accepting an offer to sell the house that yes. they weren't really comfortable with or buy one that, you know, they weren't really comfortable with. And, you know, I'm not actually involved in the the negotiations of the transaction, so I can't really say right. whether or not they're getting good advice because, honestly, I'm sure my clients feel pressured sometimes from me, even if that's not my intent, just right. because I so strongly believe it's a good option for them. I mean, <laughs> maybe I push it a little bit more than I should, and I think that's natural. But yeah, I think getting that connection. So you're, you've talked about needing a buyer's broker, I mean, a broker, mm-hmm. um, a mortgage broker, if you don't have the money to pay cash for it. Exactly. What are some of the other team members that you should be circling around and make sure you have at the beginning of this process so you're not rushing around when you're under a time crunch? The, the two primary ones are going to be your real estate broker and mortgage broker. Some of the auxiliary, for lack of a better word, you know, your home inspector, your agent is typically, and your mortgage person may actually have contacts to connect you with as well. Attorney contacts too. We are an attorney-driven state as much as I didn't like hearing closings, that during yeah. divorce, but real estate's the same way. So real estate attorneys conduct the closing. And again, your your mortgage person and real estate broker are going to be the best resources because they're going to have their contacts that they know and trust and they work with all the time. And so asking them, who do you recommend? You have termite inspectors, pest control people, moving resources. Um, you know, there's a myriad of things that are going to come up. And some, it's good to at least have contacts ahead of time. Just so even if you, if like me, you're a researcher and you want to kind of do some mm-hmm. background checking to kind of get a feel for which pieces you are drawn to as far as professionals. That's true. What are some of the biggest pitfalls that you've seen or some of the biggest mistakes that you see buyers making when you're trying to help for um, help them through this process? With women specifically, the most common pitfall is not trusting your intuition. And I'm guilty of doing this too. I mean, I honestly, if I'm honest, I wouldn't have gotten married if if I had trusted my intuition a bit more strongly all those years ago. And I see women question themselves, almost like they're trying to talk themselves into something. And I'll take them aside. Single or married, it doesn't matter. I've been in many homes where I've looked at someone and said, you're a no on this. Even if you can't explain why, you're a no. Let's go. And they're almost like lingering, like, but I want to like it. It checks all the boxes. But if you're a no for some reason that you can't quite pinpoint, you're a no. And let's move on. It's either a hell yes or a hell no. Well, and for it's a major purchase. <laughs> it is it is a commitment. It is a long-term commitment. And it is one like divorce that's not simple and uncomplicated to unravel when it's time for you to move on to the next phase. Well, what are some of the, I don't know, top pieces of advice in addition to trusting your instincts that mm-hmm. you would give a first time or I guess it may have been a very long time since they had purchased property together for um, recently separated or divorced women. The biggest piece of advice would be, and this applies for any stressful life transition situation, be kind to yourself. Make 
taking care of yourself a priority. In stressful situations, we often as women fall off our own lists of priorities. And those are really the times that it's so important for us to put ourselves and our needs and just taking care of ourselves and being kind to ourselves at the top of our list. And I think that doesn't necessarily come naturally for women. We're such helpers and caretakers and we just, whether we have children or not, we're so focused a lot of times on people outside of ourselves. We tend to to forget to take care of ourselves. And that's so important during stressful transition points. Now you've actually written an ebook or a guide. I have. Tell me about that. I did it because I realized I have all of this information that's in my head and why not just kind of get it out of my head and put it out there in in the event that it helps someone. And I really wanted it to be kind of a guide and what to think about what might you not have considered before jumping into the home buying process. And it's called the Badass Chicks Guide to Home Buying. And badass has been kind of a theme for me coming out of divorce And it's just, I'm passionate about really kind of encouraging women to look at things from a more holistic perspective and things they may not have considered and things that aren't necessarily popular in our media culture as far as when it comes to the home buying process. You were sharing something with me earlier, and it was about the market for female home buyers. Yes. So single women home buyers are the second largest group of home buyers nationally. And single women buyers, outpace men, single men home buyers by more than, I think it's more than two to one. But, but right below married couples, single women are the second largest group of home buyers. And yet there's really not a ton of information out there communicating with them. Yeah, and that surprised me because I didn't realize that there was such a percentage mm-hmm. different. I knew that there were a lot more single home buyers mm-hmm. um, simply because people are postponing marriage and many Yes. Um, uh, states and or just not marrying and, and living together. But I was shocked that it was that big of a disparity. Mm-hmm. So this is the information and advice that you've given us is relevant to any home buyer, whether you're married or single or recently <laughs> divorced. It's it's yes consistent for any home buyer. But this is sort of a, a market that you've developed out of your own passion and interest is that this group of home buyers needs a different level of support. I've, I've had both perspectives myself, and I know that it is just a different outlook to be single, whether that's divorced, you used to be part of a partnership, and now that's ended. It's just a different way of looking at everything about home. You know, and I've, I've stood in my own home and gone, well, no one else is here. I, I am the only one who can figure this out. And it's just a different, you don't, you really don't know how strong and capable you are until you have no other choice. And that was really one of the lessons of my own divorce. And so I, and in my conversations with women, it, I've been so open sharing about my separation and divorce. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat across the table from, from a woman and heard her say, oh, I've been there. Me too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just shocking. It's one of those things we, we kind of don't talk about. Well, and, and I think the, the whole reason that you were specifically coming on here is because buying a home is a process that people go through at many phases in life. And mm-hmm. it should be an exciting and joyful process. Yes. It's a milestone. It is a, a marker 
of uh, achievement for many people. It's always been part of the, you know, and I'm using air quotes here, American dream (laughs) of home ownership. And so it's such a huge deal psychologically and emotionally for most people to have to buy a home, to have real Mm -hmm. estate in their name. And it's usually really exciting. I mean, I remember my realtor showing up with a gift, you know, and and celebrations, you know, at the uh, end of the closing experience. And, you know, just getting those keys was, you know, really exciting. Yes. But boy, you do this during a divorce and it is anything but but exciting. (laughs) So the chaos of home purchasing during a divorce is a very different animal. It is. There's multiple levels of chaos and there's multiple levels of emotions running at the same time. You know, it's, it's, it's like you're in the wilderness. I mean, it's territory you've never, there's no guide for it. There's no frame of reference because, you know, I think that we have this in common is that each of our clients, their journey is going to look unique to them. Are there going to be some similarities? Of course. Every contract to close is different. Every purchase contract is different. Every buyer is different. And their experience is going to be different. And when you layer buying a home with divorce, that is a tremendous amount of emotional stress going on. And so it's even more important to really have a resource in a good realtor and also really have a game plan. To have a plan. And to be able to adjust that plan, because there are things going to be things that come up out of left field that none of us saw coming. And it's I tell people, you're not allowed to panic until I tell you it's time to panic. I've never had to tell anyone it's time to panic. But there's things that are going to come up that'll be speed bumps or detours or just things that we got to work through. And, you know, I wrote a blog about this. You know, is this normal? Because I get asked that a lot by home buyers, And I'm like, normal doesn't really exist. There's only, If it happened, then clearly it's part of your experience. So... Where are we trying to go? What next steps do we need to consider and take for you? Well, you've given us a great deal of information today. And and let's say that people want to find you because they can tell from listening. They think (laughs) you would be a great resource for them. Where can they find you? So my website and blog is at cbbuyersagent.com, which stands, if people Google, I'll come up as Charlotte's Best Buyers Agent. Um, so cbbuyersagent.com. Email is the better way to reach me compared to phone. Um, so my email is my first initial D, my last name McDermott, M-C-D-E-R-M-O-T-T, Charlotte at gmail.com. And those are probably the two best primary ways for people to get in touch with me. And where could they most easily find this ebook that you wrote? It is on my website, cbbuyersagent.com. It actually has its own tab, and it's a free downloadable PDF resource. So, of course, if anyone is interested or knows someone that might benefit from that information, feel free to check it out. All right, and we'll also have it in the show notes here. But um, we thank you for coming um, to talk to us today. And I hope that you'll come back and talk to us more about the the nuts and bolts process so that these home buyers that maybe haven't done it by themselves before, you can kind of give them a, a go by of, of what they would expect step by step once they have decided they're emotionally and financially ready and they have their team together. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure and I would love to come back and revisit and explore some additional topics. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lee. 
So there you have it, another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here, so I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully it is full of helpful people, valuable resources, and sound advice, if you know where to look. See you next time. The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.